Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for coming back for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Ireland. She's going to share some of her experiences living in the chronic community. Um, go, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, hi, I'm Ireland Reed. I'm 16 years old and I've had, I guess, a chronic illness since, I mean, that's not how, I would, I usually just say dysautonomia uh, is what I have. And I've had it since I was about 11. Okay, so about five years. Five years, yeah. So a good amount of time kind of getting in the rhythm of things now, right? Yes, And you want to explain a little bit of how dysautonomia affects you, I guess? So dysautonomia affects your entire nervous system. So what I experience is misfiring of my nerves all throughout my body. Um, Dysautonomia can be caused by trauma, which I was in a bad bike accident where I broke my growth plate in my knee. And apparently that's what caused it. It's also said that it can be caused by many viruses, which um, I had, I had pneumonia. I mean, meningitis, there's many things that can be caused by. I don't think there's um, a set cause that I've heard from many of my doctors. Kind of just different for each person, essentially. Oh yeah. All doctors did it, did it start like after you got in that accident? Was that kind of what like triggered yeah, it? Or so what happened was I had broken my growth plate in my left leg and okay. then I felt it on my right leg, but I hadn't been injured in my right leg. So of course, at first they thought there was something psychiatric wrong, but it was very real pain. They sometimes describe sodonomia as throughout the chronic illness community people say it's an invisible illness um because you can't see what's wrong yep Yep. Uh, so that's how it started the pain traveled from one leg to another but there was no reason for there to be pain in that leg so that's how um neurology got brought into this you know a neurologist i did the whole like psychological check make sure it wasn't a, a, a mental thing and then kind of went from there went to the neurologist side of it yeah so I had um there was a doctor that had said oh this seems like it's something psychiatric to my mom in front of me and mind you I was very young so we left that doctor because my mom's always been a huge advocate that you know I wasn't faking this or it wasn't something just in my head um she believes 100 percent. well that's something i mean a lot of different chronic illnesses especially the invisible ones even even when you're an adult trying to explain like yeah no it's definitely hurting like it's not i'm not just thinking it yeah i can can see that's an issue especially when you're younger because you're taking even less serious when you know something's going on so taking way less serious because i mean i guess they, they expect you to be less aware of things because you're younger but you still feel it. it still oh, hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So moving on to the neurological side, how did, how did 
kind of that go? And and how long was that afterwards? Was that like a year into it, two years? So it took probably took me about two years to be diagnosed. I went to so many different doctors. I'd probably say six or seven specialists, ranging from um, chi- not chiropractors. What are they called? <sighs> Orthopedic doctors. Okay. Yep. Um, to see, you know, if there was anything that they could see that, cause you know, that's where doctors start. If they can see anything. I went yep, to x-rays, a, cat scans. Oh yeah. All that fun stuff. MRIs, everything. Yep. Then I've, I've had went, like every single one of those a couple of times. Oh, they're terrible. I hate them. I hate them. And I always mix them up too. Like it can never keep track of which one's which. Cause you just do them so often. It's like, all right, whatever. Let's just do yeah, it. Whatever. Just get it over with. Um, mine, I went to one neurologist at Texas children's and, um, she actually passed me along to UT health, which is part of Memorial Hermann hospital in Houston, Texas. And so I went to a few different neurologists till I found the one that suggested I get a tilt table test, which many people with dysautonomia um, get these because it's the only test that can really diagnose dysautonomia. Basically, you sit on a table and then you lay down for like 20 minutes and then they tilt you a certain way and they tilt you another way and they watch your BP and heart rate and everything. And that's how I got my official diagnosis. Um, after you know MRIs, CAT scans, all that, that stuff is actually really interesting because the girl that I interviewed that has that that also had dysautonomia is also in Houston. That's I've got to say Houston has like the best medical professionals. I've been to so many different ones, mm-hmm. and aside from Texas Children's, I mean I, I've never felt unsafe during all my hospital visits. I mean I. I love it. So many people travel to Houston because there's such a wide range of doctors, just a huge medical center. I mean, I, I would definitely, I definitely. Yeah, I think the biggest hub around here is probably like Richmond, Virginia. There's some, there's some really good specialists that I've taken like a day trip out there to go see like second opinion stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, really important. And it's, it's yeah. good that you yeah. kind of got that early on of going to a bunch of different doctors. Cause I think there's, there's this big idea, even as in, when you're an adult, like don't go see another doctor for a second yeah. opinion. It's like cheating on your doctor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was like, definitely confusing as a child, like young, obviously I'm still sort of young, but, um, as like a preteen, to be passed around doctor to doctor and not knowing what's wrong. But when you finally find the right doctor, that's when you, you know, become a little bit more hopeful about everything. Yeah, no, it, it's so important finding the right doctor. One that you communicate well with. Yeah, um, because, listens. oh yeah. I mean, I got colitis at 17. so a little bit older, but still considered a kid. So you still go and like, I was still going seeing the pediatric doctor and the hospital mm-hmm. and the pediatric side, which- I mean, 17 is a little weird being around like That's, kids that are dealing with stuff that like eight to 10. It's like, yeah, especially the hospital. Like I had a really long hospital stay early on and I was on the pediatric wing. So it was just different than what I was expecting. I'd say that's definitely like an anxiety I have is switching from my doctors now to um, my pediatric doctors now to having to switch to adult doctors in 
a year and a half. True. That's right. I forgot about that because I moved after I turned like 17. So I was around, I moved around the time where I had to go to the adult doctor. I, I've talked to my neurologist and he said, I don't actually have to leave at 18, which is great because going over your entire medical history with a new doctor is it's pain in the butt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I was like 18 ish, 19, 18, 18 or 19. I moved down to Virginia from Massachusetts. So yeah, transferring all your medical records and they don't, they don't, I mean, they, they transfer them, but they don't ever read them. Oh, they just get sent over. And if you, if you're like, Hey, my medical record has this in it, they'll go look for it, but they don't like review the entire thing when you're a new patient. So yeah, that's, I can see that as a big concern of like, Hey, yeah, nope. I want to stay where I'm at. I got a good doctor who understands and listens. Yeah. Super important. Okay, so you've been properly diagnosed with it for like three or four years now, roughly. Yes, roughly. And how is it managed for you? Like, is it medications? Is it different workout plan? Like, how does it work for you? I am on, I um, am on propanolol, extended release propanolol, 60 milligrams, which is a beta blocker. A lot of people have decided I'm going to use them. Um, It's completely stabled my blood pressure. Um, I, you know, I do, I with dysautonomia, the only X, like I have a sheet of exercises to help um, muscles that get, gosh, what are they called? Muscles that get all tense and stuck when your nerves misfire, um, you know, ones that help your stability, just workouts like that. I think a lot of people with dysautonomia, walking is a huge thing that helps, you know, being in the sun lots of Gatorade, lots of water. That's basically how I manage um, my day-to-day symptoms. Okay. And do you, do you ever have days where it's like worse and you kind of have a little colitis referred as like a flare up where it gets bad or. Oh yeah. Um, I recently had a surgery in my back for something completely unrelated. And I had just such a terrible flare up. Um, It it kind of triggered it. Okay. It's so hard to know how to deal with flare-ups because at, you know, you don't want to burden anyone with it, but it's also just so much pain and there's nothing really to be done except for wait it out. I mean, you can't go to the hospital. There's nothing they can do. It's, you have to sit there and wait it out no matter how much pain I have never been. I mean, I've been prescribed naproxen, which is you can buy it over the counter, but I've never been prescribed like painkillers um yeah that's one thing I've had the option of like some of the heavy hitting painkillers before when I was in the hospital between Mm -hmm. like morphine and oxycontin and I I personally was like no absolutely not because I know how bad they can be and how addictive they can be oh yeah addiction's a huge scare yeah and most addiction comes from prescribed medications so yeah, especially with pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, muscle relaxers have helped a lot with flare-ups where okay. um which I isn't guess. as bad as like those high tier pain. Oh yeah. I mean, they still kind of mess you up. Usually I just fall asleep on them, but if I have a terrible flare-up, 
um, I would prefer being asleep until it goes away. Yep. So kind of just taking it and just kind of, you know, relax and recovering. Yeah. Sleep it off, which is important. Um, And I, and I say it a lot between different interviews and in general, you really got to take the time when, when you fall into the chronic community, whether it's, you know, chronic illness, disability, disease, you have to take the time for your body and you have to take the time for your mind. It's so important. And a lot of time for us, it's a lot more time than the normal person would need for things like sleeping and recovering or, you know, making sure your mind's right and relaxing and doing something that's enjoyable. Yeah. I, I think I've struggled with that a lot, you know, just not wanting to be, I, and this is not to anyone with, but as I look at myself, I don't want to feel weak or, Mm -hmm. you know, just lay down all day. I, um, during COVID, I think I learned, you know, being in virtual school, you know, no sports, nothing. I think I learned that I do need rest and pushing myself as far as I can go is not going to help me heal at all. Or, you know, it's, um, I think I definitely grew from when I first got diagnosed. Cause at first I just wanted to go, 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 and not admit when yep. I needed to rest. It, it takes a while. And, um, I mean, I got diagnosed with colitis at 17 and I have severe colitis and I refer to it all the time as my swift kick of maturity. Cause I wasn't, yeah. I mean, I wasn't very mature for a 17 year old, like most teenagers are. Um, <laughs> but when you, when you get a chronic illness, when you get a disease where you have to deal with all these different things, it forces you to grow up. You don't oh, really yeah. have a choice in the matter. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, I can, I can definitely understand that. And, and it takes a while to adjust to. Um, and I think personally, as I'm getting older now, cause I'm 27 now, I think it's, I know, I know it sounds bad, but I think it's easier when to get when you're younger. And yes, it you cuts away from your, like, your, your, your life, your childhood of having fun. But I think like getting colitis at 17, it didn't drastically change my life because I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a career that just had yeah. to stop. You can kind of get adjusted. So as you get older, you can plan those things out around what you already deal with versus having a normal life. And then boom, now you got to deal no, with this. I, I- hundred percent agree it sucks because you don't get to have as much fun when you're younger um and you got to be more mature but I see so many people in like the colitis group where they're like 25 30 they have kids they have a career and they have colitis or Crohn's and it just shuts shuts everything down like they have two kids and they don't have the energy to get out of bed or they have a big amazing career and they have to take all this time off and they're worried about losing their job you know, thinking, you know, just seeing all people's, you know, I'm in a ton of chronic illness support groups, dysautonomous support groups, because it's nice to have people that understand, but as being, you know, my age versus 20s, 30s in these groups, I can't imagine getting diagnosed then and not knowing what to do. Like, I definitely agree that, you know, learning that I was going to be sick forever at 13 was about, yeah, 13 was definitely a lot, but it, I now know how to go, you know, what career I need to get, you know, schedule work, how to schedule, you know, around my life. So it's definitely, I I feel so sorry for people who just get it sprung on them. Like you said, with 
three kids, a job, pets. I mean, that must be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I see a ton of it. And, or like, um, colitis is a very stress-based disease. Yeah. So the more you're stressing out, the more you can cause a flare up. I see it a ton where people will get it and they're married and their significant other stress. Yeah. Like their significant other isn't supportive enough. So the stress of the disease, the stress of the significant other, like I see it all the time. And, and I even recommend it every once in a while. It's like, if you're not getting the support you need, I'm sorry, but you should, yeah, you should should probably end that marriage as much as it sucks because you need, this is your new reality. Understands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone who's willing to, and even as a 16 year old, I've been in a committed relationship for like a year and a half. As you said, I matured a lot when I got sick. You do. And you have to have someone who is willing to pull more weight than you because the sad reality is, is that you may not be able to go 50 50 on bills, on taking out the dog, doing chores. It's just, it's yep. not as possible when you're sick. Well, and it's, it's one of those things going in a relationship, you know. Like I'm, I'm myself and am single because dating's fun with a chronic illness in general. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, you, you have to be upfront with. It's like some days I can put in 120%. I can put in 150% because I feel great. I feel yeah. great. But there's, there's going to be days where 10% is a challenge. Where, I, where getting out of bed is a lot of effort for me. Oh yeah. And that's just the reality of it. And that's the reality for a lot of people. I agree. And it's, it's finding, finding the people that will, will kind of accept that as well as be supportive through. It's always fun. Another thing that is really heartbreaking to see is people who don't have a support system amongst mm-hmm. their family, mm-hmm. because a lot of people, again, invisible illnesses, when you can't see something, I guess it's harder to believe especially, I mean, I I believe people. Well, there's this toxic saying in in the world, seeing is believing. Oh, Um, no, I don't believe that. It's, it's so bad because it it, it does put in that mindset that you have to, you have to see something before it happens. It's usually referred to in like reaching your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You hear it a lot with reaching your goals, but I think it, it, subconsciously plays into a lot of things where if somebody can't see the results, if they can't see something that's affecting someone, they don't want to believe that it's real. They don't, they don't believe that you're dealing with what you're dealing or, or especially when it comes to pain. Yeah. If they can't see that you're physically deformed. They can't understand why you're in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And that's and a that's big problem with those with employers and teachers, mm-hmm. not just like family. Yep. Accommodating kind of what you're dealing with. And that's, I got my disease at a really interesting point because at 17, I had graduated and I got it like my graduating year during summer. That's Um, awful. So I was out of school, so I didn't have to deal with it in school, which with colitis, having to go to the bathroom a ton, I can't even imagine how much that would have sucked trying to deal with teachers and go into the bathroom on a regular basis. That would have been horrendous. Um, but that was something that I kind of got it at a, like I hadn't started college or selected a career yet, but I also was out of school. So I didn't have to deal with like high school. That's so a tough point. It was a weird, yeah, it was a weird transition, but I kind of had the free time to deal with it, thankfully. 
I was able to take time off of work. That is good. So, so how does, how does it kind of affect your plans going forward? Um, I am pretty ambitious. I, I mean, next year I'm going into my junior year of high school. Okay. I'm taking, you know, all advanced classes, college classes. As far as school goes, I can usually get through the day okay. with well, that's um, not, you know, I don't, I get faint sometimes, but um, a school is not a humongous issue for me unless I'm in a flare up. But as far as college goes and getting a job, um, I definitely don't know how I'm going to do that because I get fatigued so easily. So I want to be a nurse, right? And, oh, God. <laughs> which is just... Oh, that's, that's a very <laughs> demanding career. And I definitely don't know. I don't even know how I'm going to do school and work uh, because of the fatigue. So I guess I'm still trying to figure that out. I... Um, I was, how do I say this? I, I usually, I think that maybe if I were to um, balance my time to get like even a 30 minute rest in throughout the day, you know, maybe a I could do that. A quick nap here and there. A quick, because right now, I mean, I nap two hours a day that, and I sleep like nine hours. Like I sleep oh, so much. What is, what is sleep? I, I, oh yeah, I have issues sleeping too, but then when I don't, I sleep so much. I have no clue how I'm going to move forward and become someone who like works eight hours or 12 hours as a nurse. I mean, 12 hours is like, (laughs) I can't even stay awake for 12 hours. So I have no clue how I'm going to do that. But I, um, I believe in myself. I think I'll figure it out. I mean, I've seen so many people, I mean, you have no clue what people are going through. Like, I know I can't be the only one struggling with this. So I have faith that I will figure it out. I mean, I don't have to get a job yet. My mom yeah, you got, you is 100% time. still supporting me. She doesn't want me to get a job if, you know, because my medical stuff, I'm just not ready, I don't think, at this point. Yep. But the school is a big focus. Well, and, and I think at some point you'll you'll hit that kind of balance where you figure out okay maybe I can make it work in this manner or that manner um and that's that's one of the things with a lot of different chronic illnesses you got to kind of figure out what works for you and what is honestly unrealistic like personally I love automotive um yeah and I actually just recently turned down a job as a diesel mechanic because I know 20 years of turn and wrench is going to destroy my body yeah. On top of the col- what colitis and the medications I've, I've been on have already done. So it's one of those things you got to find out, find the balance. Um, and I've been suggesting to a lot of people is finding ways to kind of fill and do what you love while maybe not making it the full focus of what you do. So it's not pushing you to that level. Um, yeah. But that's, I'm sure that's something you'll, you'll, you'll learn along the way. It takes a little while. Hopefully. <laughs> and especially in the area you're in, I'm sure there, there might be a lot of options for that field that maybe aren't the traditional role, but still fall within the role, more of like a specialist role within it that yeah. might be a little more relaxed. 
or the options you know, I at least. I, I, um, I think that, I mean, there's been a lot of research being done because apparently I've read this on the Dysautonomia International page about how people recovering from COVID are getting POTS, um, dysautonomia, all that stuff. So maybe something good will come out of it, like more research, more mm-hmm. medicines, and then maybe I can lead an armor life. That's wishful thinking. But um, definitely now that more people are learning about it, maybe more research will be done. Well, I also, I also know you're not even close to that age but medicinal marijuana is becoming a thing in a lot of states and it's helping with a yeah. lot of different things is very sure like yeah yeah i think it's being it's being approved for ptsd and cancer where i think in texas now other than that i don't know it's, yeah, it's they've it's been trying to get legalized forever and I don't think it's ever going to happen here. I think the federal government's going to come around to it soon just because of how many states are doing it. But I know like in the <laughs> Crohn's and colitis field, um, not necessarily smoking it or the edibles, but the oil in capsules is really good for it. Um, so I use CBD, which is legal. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's somewhat there's two families. So CBD is really good for people with um, digestive diseases that have mild versions of it because it's really good for digestive health in general. It helps coat the mm-hmm. intestines and kind of give you like a protective barrier. Um, CBD oil paired with THC oil helps with inflammation and protecting. So it's kind of like a double layer of protection um, and can kind of help control flare-ups in just, so- the, just the colitis aspect of it. With the CBD that is legal here, it's something called, I think it's broad spectrum. So there's like 0.03% THC, which isn't much, but it's, it definitely helps a huge part. And I'm guessing this is with colitis too. Mm -hmm. Anxiety and stress is a huge trigger for dysautonomia. So getting the CBD, you know, helping with your managing your stress, anxiety, I found that helps somewhat okay. because high school student stress and anxiety is like, you do, do you do like the, um, like capsules with oil or like the, the gummies? Cause I know they have like CBD gummies and stuff. So, um, I've done definitely the little edibles, um, I've used a tincture, which is basically just a little. Um, the little, I think it's the little oils, right? Tinctures, yep. oils. Mm. And I've also um, used a vape, which is just gets it in your body faster, which obviously with permission from my mother, as I am a minor. Yep. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, just there's, there's, there's fun medical, ex- when, you know, it's medical exceptions to everything. Yes, so. yes. And my doctors have all told me that CBD is okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know it definitely helps with the, with stress management. And that's another big thing that I push outside of, you know, like THC or CBD, um, finding things that help with stress management. Like for myself, photography is a big thing. I do a lot of nature photography and that helps. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's super relaxing. Like I love it. I love doing it just to do it. Like it's fun. 
um, kind of like a hobby. And when I do nature photography, it's super relaxing because I'm just kind of focused on the moment doing my thing. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, I think, is important for people that have those stress-based diseases and illnesses is finding what kind of relaxes you, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a skill you practice, something you do. It's super important because we mm -hmm. have to spend more time on that kind of mental peace and mental health aspect. And that, that comes with managing stress um, yeah. and managing different stress factors. Definitely a lot like finding things to do to help decrease stress when you're also kind of bedridden during flare ups and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's, a, I mean, photography, obviously. Is, well, yeah, it's a little more, you can be a little I, more active for. But that's super cool. But like for me, you were talking about before you started um, the podcast, falling down like a YouTube hole yep. is something I do when I'm super stressed or anxious. I just like like to watch other people's lives and just not think about my own is something that definitely helps. Well, I do, I do a lot of gaming too. Like I'm a big gamer. Oh. I like a lot of music. So there's, there's definitely different things. Like gaming's a fun one for me. I've kind of changed the games that I play to more relaxing games versus, you know, the higher paced ones. Um, but things like, you know, just even just chilling, listening to music. Um, I love doing photography when it's nice out going out. I do a lot of nature, like macro photography, which is up close stuff. So a lot of like flowers and stuff, which is relaxing because that's a more recent thing though. I've only been doing that for like two flowers. years. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because like three years ago, photography wise, I would have been like, I don't, I don't understand the point of it. Like I, I didn't, I really didn't. And then I finally got a camera. I was playing around with it. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is kind of cool. I'm looking I at like pictures. It. I'm like, wow, I took that. That's really cool. I made the decision to take a picture of that thinking it was cool and it looks amazing. So <laughs> it's, it's cool trying those things. And for those people that are kind of stuck bedridden hospitals, because it's, that's a big part of living with various chronic illnesses and disabilities. Yeah. Um, I've been more recently focused on, on learning things and learning new skills, which that's fun. That's 10 years fun. into it. Yeah. Wish I would have done that earlier, but <laughs> that's, a, that's an important thing to kind of do is, is keep your mind busy because yeah, that's a big thing. You know, our mind is the strongest thing we have. So feeding it new things to learn um, and kind of keeping yourself distracted from, you know, maybe the, hey. the grind of being in a hospital or the pain is a really yeah. good thing because it kind of keeps you a little more positive and, and focused on something and, and working towards a goal. I agree. I do a lot of like reading, which mm -hmm. I can't always do sitting up because I get so faint sitting up, but um, sometimes I'll do it like on my iPad, but reading books and kind of getting absorbed into just this world of, I, I love realistic fiction or like biographies or stuff, historical fiction, stuff like that. Um, just getting kind of lost in a book or um, a game, I don't know or, you know, a show that can sometimes help so much when you just need your mind off of what's going on or being yeah. in the hospital, you know, I, I agree with you. Oh, I, the first time I was in the hospital, I played so much RuneScape because it was something like a really basic laptop could handle. So I didn't need yeah. any like crazy gaming laptop and it just kept me so distracted. It was great. 
when I had the energy for it, like I was trying to trying to play that in, in game. I do no, the same Candy Crush. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's just it's it's so important to take that time, and it might you know a lot of people see it as like a time sink and a waste of time. It's it's not a waste of time because it keeps you mentally focused or at least a lack of focus on the negative things you don't need to be over over focusing on because you I have guess. all this free time and the last thing you want to be is thinking about all the, the negative things you have to deal with 24 7 like that's the worst thing you can do distract yourself for eight hours playing a game or watching a movie or series or binge something you know whatever it whatever works for you or just listen to some chill music like yeah it's so important so important i agree um let's see hmm. what else could i share any other any other big focuses any any crazy medication like side effects that you've ever had to deal with those are always fun i mean honestly with all of like where so a lot of people i've seen just have know me also have mental health issues Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely have mental health issues and um, you have to find medicines that work with your medicines for chronic illness. So I've been on some crazy ones that have just, yeah, I was on Abilify my freshman year of high school and I just remember going into school and I was just like, I wasn't even there. Like something took me over and I was just walking through the day. And I didn't talk at anyone. I didn't look at anyone. Just kind of and going through the motions. Checked completely out. Zonked me out. I don't even know who I was. It was insane. Yep. I, oh my God. Um, let's see what else. Oh, one time I, my immune system is terrible because of the dysautonomia. And um, I got sick a lot. I think I was in eighth grade. Um, my mom was getting, giving me some cough medicine and I have a little sister and we have a lot of pets and she accidentally gave me too much. So I overdosed on cough medicine and I couldn't feel my legs. Obviously I was just crazy high and I went to the hospital and (laughs) it was a complete accident, but living in the world of having one sick child and another normal child and then a bunch of pets, she wasn't paying attention. And I just had a little bit too much and I just completely That's, I mean, so gone. When your system can't handle it as well, like a normal person, if you have too much, your body just kind of cycles it out. It's not a big deal, you know? Um, so yeah, that's another thing is I, you know, can't, a normal high schooler, a lot of them are drinking and partying, crazy stuff like that. I, someone who's sick, you know, like me, I can't do that because um it you becomes with I guess your system just kind of works differently so you can't handle that stuff just like I couldn't handle that cough medicine and I can't handle alcohol it just completely kills you I'm gonna be honest I'm 27 I still don't really drink it's it's a it's a good thing to skip altogether it creates so many more issues that we just don't need to deal with and it I look at it yeah, you can go you can go ahead it um it sorry it affects every single medicine you're on yep yep um every medicine i'm on can't be mixed with alcohol or weed or <sighs> cough syrup apparently 
a bunch of things. Well, it's I guess guess somewhat that takes away from being a teenager. I don't want to do that stuff anyways, but I guess you could say that. I mean, it comes down to, you know, in in your case, it just sounds like your body's just hyper reactive to things um, that aren't normally in your system, which is a common thing for a lot of people, you know, hyper responding to certain drugs or. You know, that's, that's funny. You talk. So I, I don't know. I think a lot of people with chronic illnesses deal with like, as you said, being hypersensitive to things. And recently this is so weird because when I was younger, when I first got diagnosed, I was told I was lactose intolerant. I would eat dairy and then I'd have terrible diarrhea, stomach pains, and then it just went away. And then it came back recently. So I'm wondering if that's somehow connected to my dysautonomia. I have no idea how my body's just, sometimes it feels like a stranger because I don't exactly understand how it works. You're still learning how everything functions. Uh, I'm definitely still learning. I can, I can understand that. Well, it's even, even when you have something you're used to, like I've had colitis for 10 years now, even at the 10 year mark, it still does random things that like aren't normal. It's like, Hey, by the way, you can't eat this that you've been eating forever. You're going to have to take a break from that for a while. Or like <clears throat> one thing that, that I've been noticing over the past couple of years with my Remicade infusions is it's really weird. My skin is like super sensitive to certain body washes. So I have to use like the hypoallergenic Dove women's body wash <laughs> because it doesn't have any fragrances. It doesn't have any scents in it. But I'm also like, like I work on my car and stuff and I, and I, you know, I work on my car on, on the weekends and I do different Freeze things. I get so many horrible chemicals all over my body from working on my car between. And like it doesn't affect you, does it? Doesn't bother me at all. Not <laughs> in the slightest. That's but insane. God forbid I change my body wash, like from non-scented to scented. And my body's just like, nope, we're going to be completely itchy all the time because you change body washes it's yeah it's it so doesn't, weird doesn't always make sense I think that's something that like you kind of just have to accept when you have a chronic illness just like oh there are things that are going to happen to your body or reactions and it's going to make no sense but it's going to happen your it's, body decided it's going to happen it's it's not going to make any sense and you're just going to have to go <laughs> with it and be like okay yep. whatever and, you know, when, you, when you talk to doctors about it they're like well, I have no idea. Like I have, must be the dysautonomia, must be the pot, whatever. It's just no one. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery. So, first, I mean, to some extent, I feel like we're all a part of this weird secret community, and we all have hmm, like superheroes. They have weird reactions to when their bodies do crazy stuff. So maybe we're all just like extra special humans, and I that's mean- why don't make sense though the way I kind of look at it I look at it as we are um in an aspect because <clears throat> the stuff that we have to deal with on a regular basis as much as it sucks as much as it physically hurts we grow stronger because of it we're yeah, able to deal with more pain we're able to deal with more mental stress I mean <clears throat> up until recently I've worked retail for like 10 years and the people that would come in on the holidays that would just lose their minds 
because oh their dishwasher wasn't getting delivered on time. Like that was a catastrophic event in their world that just shut them down as a person. And I'm just like, it must be nice to have a dishwasher getting delayed by a couple of days be the worst thing that's going on in your life. So that's something that I find affects me a lot is I, I find myself becoming mad at my friends or even my boyfriend when they have just these petty little struggles that I, I mean, how do I, I find myself jealous that they go through just the littlest things. Just the, just the stupid and stuff. Yeah. The stupid stuff and the stupid stuff to me, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's the least of my worries. And I just, it makes me mad a lot of the time. I'm like, why do I have to deal with all this? And all they have to deal with is maybe getting their car taken away for a week or something like that. And I have to yeah. deal with my whole body fighting against me. You know, it's, it, I, I find myself getting, maybe that'll get better as I mature into an adult and stuff. But Somewhat. right now, as a teenager, I get so mad when I hear people complaining about just minuscule things. Well, I think part of it comes from like, like I've definitely felt like that around people when they complain about simple things. Cause it's like, especially people you're around a lot because yeah, say you're having a bad day and you're like, no, no, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, my stomach's bugging me. I can't come hang out. I'm too tired, whatever it is. Occasionally you'll get crap for it and you'll have to over explain yourself. Like, especially my age, going out and hanging out with people, having to explain like why I don't drink. It's annoying explaining it. And then like, so I have to justify the things I do because I have a chronic illness and you don't understand or put the time and effort into understanding it. Yet when you complain about something super basic, you expect me to take you serious? It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to try to keep yourself composed when you just kind of want to flip out about it which has caused so many issues for me because I just sometimes I'm, I'm religious, I'd say. And sometimes I don't understand why God gives some people just these perfect lives and no medical issues, but others, he just, so they're, they're, they're effed. Their lives are just overtaken by an illness and others never get sick. Like what? How does that make sense? I have a whole thought process on the purpose behind that so it's something i mention a lot and something i i believe um kind of very very deeply pain puts things into perspective and that perspective gives us a purpose so as as much as it sucks i can tell you a hundred percent that if i didn't deal with the lowest points that I dealt with with colitis, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be trying to raise awareness around it. I wouldn't be focused on getting other people to share their stories. That pain gives us that perspective and that drive to do something about it. Because at the end of the day, you know, every time you have to deal with someone that doesn't understand, it gets annoying. And eventually it annoys you enough to be like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to start talking about it a lot more. I'm going to start educating you a lot more and kind of spreading that awareness and be like, okay, you get to a point where you get tired of the basic one-on-one education. Like, okay, I'm going to respond to a specific post. Cause that's what I was doing for a really long time. I was in the group. So I was like, Hey, 
do this, do that, try this, try that, ask your doctor about this. And I'm like, okay, this is very repetitive for one or two people to read. And that's where I was like, okay, maybe a podcast, maybe a YouTube channel, start looking at those ideas. I would have never gotten there, even remotely close to helping and wanting to help if I didn't go through those days that absolutely sucked. Now, basing off the coming from that, I think that I'm a much nicer person now, like much more understand, under, understanding and empathetic because um, I know deal with it, So we understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I find myself wanting to help just like you with the podcast I find myself just maybe that's where wanting to be a nurse comes from is just wanting to help people like me because from these chronic illness groups and dysautonomia groups there's been adults who have helped guide me through this awful illness and it's just they're all so nice and I just I want to do that too you know like I want to help people too with the same issues whether it's colitis or dysautonomia Crohn's anything I I find myself wanting to be like a nicer person and more understanding of everything else and wanting to raise awareness just like you said because enough people in our community they understand each other and they are empathetic and nice and but in the real world you know maybe educating people will help well that's I mean that's that's part of my goal um so a big thing is People with major health conditions, chronic illnesses, and disability are about to be the majority in the United States. Yeah. We are surpassing normal, healthy people. And that's with, with major health problems. The CDC, I think it was the 2015 or 2018, it was like 49.48% of people in the United States had some sort of major health issue. Oh, now with 300 and roughly 30 million people in the United States, it's 165 million people in the United States dealing with some level of health concern where they're dealing with a doctor on a regular basis. And across those people, I would say we all deal with about 70% of the same stuff. 70% of that horrible doctor that doesn't listen, 70% of the side effects that suck, 75 or 70% of the medical expenses that they don't tell you about the, with the mental health problems, yeah. social changes, relationship, you know, dating issues, finding a job that works with it. And I think it's about pulling kind of everybody together in getting everybody to realize that we're all one big unit and we all have our small individual groups for specific needs. Like, <clears throat> dysautonomia you know there's specific things that only apply to that and you have your little group for and it's it's important just like Crohn's and colitis have their their groups for and you know kind of help with hey you know certain medications are specifically for it certain diets or certain foods to avoid and getting recommendations but I think as a whole helping everybody out and understanding and connecting as one big community we all understand each other on a, on a certain level. We've all dealt with that pain, that, you know, depression, feeling different, being out with your friends. It might not be exactly the same, but we understand, which yeah. is really important because knowing that somebody understands is such a different level of comfort 
it's a huge part of oh, it's, it's so diagnosed or being sick. It's, it's, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, doctors can understand. I mean, they, but they understand from a medical perspective, you know, they don't know what we go through on a daily basis. But all of us, as you said, understand on some level the pain, the feeling just completely different from everyone. And that's so huge. Like you having this podcast is like so amazing we get to hear each other and other normal people maybe not okay I don't know if I'd say normal I don't know if that's offensive people who don't <laughs> deal with what we deal with non-chronics that's that's the, that's the technical term I've, I've been saying okay. normal people but non- not non-chronic okay they get to kind of get a little view into what we deal with and I love that I love that you're doing this that's so amazing well I think it's an it's an educational aspect and I think it's important that a lot of people share their stories because, you know, when I first got colitis, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want yeah. to explain it to people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally just pooping all the time. <laughs> that's, that's not a fun conversation to have when you're 17 with all the people that you're around. But <clears throat> I think there needs to be more of a universal resource to be like, if somebody's dealing with something. Hey, go listen to this podcast. Go watch this YouTube channel. I can't explain it properly because I'm new to the disease. But these people do a really good job explaining of what I'm feeling, explaining the struggles that I'm dealing with that I don't know how to communicate yet, because it takes a while to understand how to communicate things like, hey, this is this is the problem I'm having it. You might not realize it's a problem until three years after you've been dealing with it. So it's it's a big thing. I think, um, especially with dysautonomia, I've seen the statistics of how many people, I don't know, this is not even related, but how many people actually deal with chronic illnesses and they have no idea. They have oh, no idea. And that's a whole nother, yeah, that's a whole nother, the, the lack of people that are being diagnosed and just kind of suffering through it. I mean, that just popped in my head because we, the awareness you're bringing to all of these chronic illnesses could potentially help someone get diagnosed. I mean, that's so huge because so many people just get pushed off, you know, doctor to doctor to doctor to psych ward, I mean, whatever it may be. And they could be really sick. I mean, I've seen statistics one in 10 people deal with dysautonomia to some extent. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Well, that's that's something I was talking about um, with Kyla, which... I think her episodes went live like yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. It was a really long interview. Um, but she was saying the same thing with dysautonomia was for a long time. I think she more recently got diagnosed with it um, because it mimics so many other things. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to kind of narrow down. And even even things like Crohn's and colitis can be challenging to, to narrow down because it could be irritable bowel syndrome. It could be Crohn's, colitis. It could be some other, you know, different diseases or viruses or bacterias that can you know, cause we should problems also become doctors and just help people that way you fix everybody <laughs> yeah so yeah no that's that's the big thing is just kind of sharing it because i mean somebody might be listening for their colitis and they might realize that hey you know what it sounds like i deal with some of that too and they might go talk to somebody or they might get you know 
some different you know help. before before talking to you i had no idea what colitis was no it, idea that's a fun I thing that i've been it. doing like i didn't know dysautonomia was a thing and now you're the second person i've talked to that has it um and has been talking about it so i'm i'm learning as well which is cool i mean this is so educational i mean learning what other people are going through it wow i mean wow and how much of it crosses over from diseases to diseases or illnesses to illnesses that's probably why so many people get you know like you said misdiagnosed or not diagnosed i mean it's kind of crazy to think about <laughs> mm -hmm. yep so and that's definitely part of why i wanted to do this and, and kind of get everybody else sharing and and i definitely want to build a bigger community around it um and I'm seeing that I feel like it's going to be a little easier than I thought it was with how many people have been responding and wanting to talk about what they're dealing with. I mean, it's crazy. I, I saw your post and I was like, oh, I'm kind of young, but I'll comment anyways. And all yeah. these people, it's kind of like itching to sit, talk about what's going on and what's wrong with you. And I know I definitely always wanted to kind of tell people because I don't want to burden people that don't understand, but people that do understand, I could talk for days. I could yeah. talk for days about it. And you want to talk to people you can relate to. You want to talk to people that why, can understand. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why so many people are reaching out to you wanting to do this podcast because it's, it's just liberating to be able to talk about it with someone who understands. Other people are doing the podcast to understand and I think it'll definitely turn into a huge thing. You know, all of us. I'm hoping just, it does. Yeah. I, I've been saying it a lot today. Like my goal is to be the Mr. Beast of broken people. I, I a hundred percent agree that you'll get there. I mean, that would be so fun. Like that would be super cool. Or to I do something with Mr. Beast around us. That'd be super cool. But long-term goals. So cool. That would be so cool. That would, I would definitely watch that. But oh. um, I'm definitely... I'm rooting for you in this podcast. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. Of course. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.